you, you talked about Joseph, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But no matter where Joseph was, it says whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So even when he was in Potiphar's house, he was elevated to the very top where Potiphar trusted Joseph with his entire everything. And then you know the story, Potiphar's wife, you know, she had eyes for Joseph. She tried to grab him and, you know, this, understand, this took place. You guys remember the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife? He's in there working and she kept making advances toward him and he's like not having it. And one day she's alone with him in the house and she grabs that coat of his and he takes off running. And then she accused him falsely. This was before there was a commandment that said thou shalt not commit adultery. Because Moses had not yet been born. The Ten Commandments were not given. But there was an, it was an age of conscience. When there was a thing that God instilled in your heart. And if you had a relationship with the Lord. This was Joseph. And he ended up in, in the prison. And then in prison, the keeper of the prison saw that the blessing of the Lord was with Joseph. And he elevated him to the as high as he could go. And then he interpreted a couple people's dreams, right? And then they, when they got out, he said, don't forget me. And they forgot him. Until Pharaoh had that dream and what that one that was, that was kept alive, he said, oh yeah, there was a guy down in the jailhouse. Pharaoh brought him out, cleaned him up, and he told him interpretation, and then they made him ruler second in command, basically, to Pharaoh in Egypt. So we don't know what we're going through, why we're going through it. But I pray this prayer, God, whatever you would have me do, Wherever you would have me be at, would you make it to prosper? Because I want to be in his will no matter what. If you're in the desert, if God has placed you in the desert, you want to prosper wherever God has placed you. Wherever you're at in your walk with God, you want to learn to prosper. In Romans chapter 12, let's look at verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God. Has anybody experienced God's mercy? Yes. yes. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. This is a reasonable thing to do. Since if you'll stop and consider everything he's done for you. And by the way, I'm so glad to see Madison today. I just met Madison. She um, seems very nice. She is seven years old. She's going to be eight in June. Right, Madison? June 15th? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm glad that you came with Autumn. <laughs> and this says it's your reasonable service. And this is the thing that got my attention when I was a teenager. And I was at youth convention and I felt the love of God. I don't know if anyone has experienced this. And I thought to myself, you know what? I made a commitment that day. I said, God, I'm going to live for you no matter what. I realized what he did for me. No matter what, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. Um, no matter what I'm going through, I might be in the biggest mess of my life. 
I might be sinning like crazy, but I'm not going to. I, and that commitment, believe it or not, that commitment that I made to the Lord has kept me through some difficult times. Because if we all go through difficult times and we all look back and there's times we want to give up, throw in the towel. And that commitment was just because I saw what he did for me. And the least I could do, the reasonable thing that I could do is right here. Present my body and living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. That's, re that's your reasonable service. What can I do considering what he's done for me? I can do this. I can present my body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. And that's the problem. Because it's a living sacrifice. You know, we get up on the altar and then we think, oh man, I'm going to die. So we want to get off the altar. Right? And then, uh, you know, I know there should be a, a step number two to uh, Jesus take the wheel. There should, be, there should be another song after that because a lot of people say Jesus take the wheel and they give him the wheel and then when Jesus takes over after a while they're like, I'm not really sure I like where he's taking me. You know what? I feel a little safer now. Here, let me have the wheel back. And that's what a lot of people do with this roller coaster ride. We think we want to make him Lord of our life and we do that and then we think, oh, I'm not sure I want to go there. I think he's going to make me die. <laughs> But here's the thing, the reasonable service and verse two starts with and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you know what the will of God is for your life? That's what I want to talk to you today about the will of God. I was listening to a message. I was listening to a message yesterday by a very good friend of mine who uh, lives in Southern California. And uh, he was talking about the will of God. And I thought to myself, wow, I don't know how you can tackle that message in 30 minutes. Because his message was about 30 minutes long. And uh, I thought, boy, there's so much when you study the will of God, what is the will of God for your life? We have scripture that tells us what the will of God is. We have certain scriptures, but a lot of time, uh, what a lot of times what people are thinking of, I want to read a scripture in Joshua chapter nine, verse seven. Look at this verse. This is the book of Joshua chapter nine, verse seven. And it's the story of the Gibeonites. It says, the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Anyone know the story that's taking place? I know this is right in the middle of the story. Anyone remember the story? Joshua goes in with his army, the children of Israel, into the promised land. They cross over Jordan and they went to, what's the first place city that they went to? Jericho. And they marched around Jericho. Seven days they were there. And the first six days they marched around once. And then the final day they marched around seven times. And then they gave a shout. And what happened? The walls came crashing down. And they went in and they slaughtered. And they took spoils. And all the spoils 
went to the house of the Lord. 100% of them. You remember that? Everything they found, all the gold, everything, went to the house of the Lord. And there was one guy by the name of, well, one guy who, by the name of Achan who took some of the stuff and hid it for himself. And uh, anyways, that's a whole other story. So Joshua is winning these battles. And there's a city of Gibeon. And they were a pretty mighty city. They had some mighty men in the city. And they were afraid of what was coming. So what they did was they had some ambassadors that dressed up in old clothes. And they had some, anyone have old clothes with like moth holes and stuff in them? And shoes that were just kind of rusty, falling apart. Not rusty. How do you have rusty shoes? You know, shoes that are falling apart, ripped, and look really old. Anyone have shoes like that? They took the oldest stuff they could find. And they got some bread that was moldy. And they got some old cheese. And they made this little trip over to Israel. And they said, where are you from? And they said, oh, we've come from a super far, 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 many, 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 many miles away, far distance. These clothes were brand new when we left. Matter of fact, this bread was fresh out of the oven. And now it's all moldy. So you can see we've come from a long distance. And uh, we've come to make a league with you because we've heard how powerful you guys are. We've heard it from a far distance. And Joshua said, you know, he did, they did not inquire the Lord. This is the verse that we're reading. And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel. At the mouth of the Lord. And there's a lot of times we make decisions that sometimes can be devastating decisions. And we don't stop and make it and, and ask the Lord, Lord, would you help me to know what is the decision you would have me to make in this situation? Now, I want to differentiate between that and what the will of God is. I want to call that divine guidance. There's a difference because we have a lot of scriptures that talk about the will of God and we can tell you what the will of God is according to scripture. But a lot of times we need divine guidance for our situation where we're at. How many have quickly made a decision and after time went by, you thought I probably should not have made that decision. I probably could. I mean, all right. So um, I'm 47. So I can say pretty confidently that everyone younger than me, I've made a lot more wrong decisions than you have. <laughs> and the ones that are older than me, you probably made more wrong decisions than me. <laughs> I made some pretty bad decisions in my life and I did not seek God's counsel. Some of the best decisions I've made is when I did seek the Lord and I felt his direction, even though sometimes it wasn't always what I wanted. Sometimes doing it God's way is not what you want. Let's look at another example. This is King David. 1 Samuel chapter 23. David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring hither the ephod. And then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said he will come down. When is the last time that you had a major decision in your life and you sought the Lord for his direction? 
seeking God's will. And it may not always be what you want to hear. So there's a lot of scriptures that talk about that. Individuals who will take time to seek the will of God. Now I, some people will take this so far as to say, okay God, would you rather have me go to McDonald's or Wendy's today? What's better? And I think that's fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not condemning that. But there's nothing in scripture that says, you know, you have sinned because you went to McDonald's instead of Wendy's. Right? We can't pinpoint a verse that says that, right? But maybe God has directed you to Wendy's for a reason. Maybe there's somebody there who, you know, a divine appointment that God has set up for you to meet with. I've had that, those situations happen. Um, getting a flat tire, you know, and being led someplace. I hadn't planned on going that day, but God had set up an appointment. So God does make appointments like that for us sometimes. Um, First Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13. It says, so Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. You know what a familiar spirit is? A familiar spirit might be able to tell you some facts about yourself. You might go to that person and they say, oh man, I, they tell all this stuff about you. And you're like, how do they know that? I never told anybody. Well, I'm going to tell you, the devil knows everything you've been through. The devil knows and you've seen how you've lived your life. I mean, he doesn't know like God knows, right? He doesn't know your very thought life, but he's... They know what you've been through. They know. And so we got to be careful about where we get our counsel from. Because Saul took counsel of someone that had a familiar spirit. And verse 14 says, and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore, he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. And I've heard of people taking counsel of somebody that was not of God. And I just got to warn you, be careful. Just be very careful. Be very cautious. Be prudent, I should say. Be prudent. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. He gives to all men liberally, and he upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. He's not going to scold you and make fun of you for asking the question. When I was in high school, my senior year, I was in advanced AP calculus class. And if you raised your hand and asked the teacher a question, he would say, this ain't rocket science, guys. And man, I was afraid to ask a question because I thought I was being mocked. So I didn't ask a question and therefore I did not like that class or calculus. Um, these days, I probably would not be as, you know, as prideful to, you know, to not ask the question. I'll just ask the question now. I'll just say, uh, what does this really mean? 
But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So I want to talk, I'm just talking to you today about the will of God. What is God's will? Anyone know what God's will is? Anyone just taking time to look at the scriptures to see what is the will of God? We have some scriptures. I just, I'm going to read uh, some of them. John 7, 17. This one says, if any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. That's important. To do his will. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 17. And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. How many wants to abide forever? So do the will of God, it says here, right? And then. This is Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 12, verse 48 through 50. But he answered and said unto him that told him, who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. Uh, so there's a lot of scripture that talk about the importance of the will of God. It's essential for the will of God. And I'm not going to read all of them. I'm skipping through because I'm already running out of time. And I'm only on page four. Out of how many? Out of a lot. 12 or something. So I'm just going to read some of these uh, verses. Um, here's John chapter 6 verse 40. Jesus says, This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeketh the Son, or seeth the Son, sorry, and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's the will of God. Now, Here's one that's very specific. This is the one I was trying to get to. First John chapter or First Thessalonians chapter four verse three. Now look at the defining passage here. This is going to help you see what the will of God is in this particular verse. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. So if you want to know what the will of God is concerning you, start here on this verse and look at every place where it says that. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Let's read verse four. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And each one of these verses... You could do a Bible study on it. Pretty lengthy one. Next one. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Verse 6. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. Verse 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Verse 8. 
He therefore that despiseth despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Verse 9. But as touching brotherly love, ye need thought that I write to you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Verse 10. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all. We're going fast. Verse 11. <laughs> and that. There's the next that all the way down to here. Ye study to be quiet. There's some people I'd like to give that verse to. <laughs> You know, you're around them and they're really loud. They're, always, they're not quiet so much and you want to give them this verse. Hey, you ought to memorize this verse. So it'll probably be good for you. That you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. And there, you can go through the chapter and look at all the that's. That's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So when you study the will of God, it's, it's so defined in Scripture. But a lot of us, when we're talking about the will of God, we're thinking about divine guidance. We want direction in certain decision-making areas. Now, if somebody had two decisions or two choices, choice A, choice B, Sister um, Kathy, which choice do we make? Well, we look at the, if we only had two choices, we're going to look at the one that makes Bible sense. Makes common sense. Some of these are immediately we can eliminate them right away because it, it conflicts with scripture. And so a lot of times when I see people, they're like, oh, I don't know whether to do this or this. I go, well, I know you can't do that here because it's specifically in violation of God's word. And so that's what we have to when I'm talking about seeking the will of God, that's defined for us in scripture. But divine guidance. When is the last time you stopped and prayed for direction in a certain decision in your life? It doesn't even have to be a major big decision. It could be a small decision. When is the last time you just knelt down and prayed? And then somebody might say, God, I don't even know how to pray. We do have that model prayer, don't we? Which says, our Father, it says, after this manner, therefore you pray ye. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. You know, praying for God to have his way in this flesh, just like it's done in heaven. Is anybody willing to pray that prayer? Because God in heaven, he could just say go and they go. He could say come and they come. Uh, and then all the principles that are about prayer there in Matthew chapter 6. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a daily prayer, right? How many today prayed? about the food, the sustenance that you're going to have. Probably not many of us, right? Because we got food. We got money in our wallets. Right? We got food um, in the pantry. We, I mean, we can run out to any restaurant right now, but how many actually pray this? And verse 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and so on. Verse 13, lead us not to temptation. This is a prayer I think is very important. God, I want... When it comes to divine guidance, I don't want to be led into temptation. 
but I want to be delivered from evil. I know that I probably could not make certain situations. So please, guide my steps. Guide my stops. Lead me not to temptation, but deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. I want to close uh, right there. The reason why this verse, this message is, um, can be a little bit heavy is because so many people do things their own way. And when I see that, and a lot of times, you know what happens when you do things your own way and then all of a sudden bad things happen. And then they come running and they say, man, we, I messed up my life's a wreck. And then immediately I could see some of the things that they did that were wrong, that violated scripture. I said, the first thing that you want to do, I just had a, met with somebody recently, said the first thing you want to do is start making decisions that don't violate scripture. You want to do what's right. And I said, some of this could be the consequences of that. I don't know. So when is the last time that you sought the Lord in a specific thing, a specific situation? And I was thinking about that on the way to church today. Because, you know, I think that the Lord wants people to be saved. And I think that I have a call to ministry. And I feel overwhelmed with stuff outside of ministry. And I want to not be overwhelmed with stuff outside of ministry. Because I feel like the will of the Lord is for me to work ministry. But... You know, so I, I, I talked to the Lord about that. What is his will concerning me? And so that's something that we each, can, every one of us can pray for his direction. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's it. Sharon's uh, aren't here today. So I'm going to ask Brother Buddy, if you would today, if you would uh, pray in closing. And I want to just encourage each and every person this week, seek the Lord. Seek his direction in specific things. But also the will of God passages, which I didn't even touch. There are so many of them that we could go through. Seek the Lord. Seek his will for your life. We haven't talked about it for a while, but we've done some Bible studies on it in the past. But I want to remind everybody of it because we haven't talked about it in a little bit. Amen. Brother Buddy. And I think that we probably should have the Grange meeting today. Did we talk about it at the Grange meeting? Because I'm getting texts already from Chris. I don't remember talking about it in the leaders. 